Good morning. I am Darrell Gunter, your host for Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM. Today, we're pleased to have back in our studio Mr. Hank Zona, the owner of Swirl Wine Events. Hank, welcome back to the program. Darrell, thanks for having me back again this week. Appreciate it. The only thing that was lacking from our interview was to drink wine. My palate <laughs> Was 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 yearning for some wine. It's okay. It's okay to taste it. Just about any time of day. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, tell us a little bit more about the Swirl Wine events. I know you said a lot of folks who come to you, they're doing fundraising at the at the at the universities. Mm-hmm. Um, you're starting to see corporate events, but. After our interview ended, we, we had a little sidebar conversation, and something you said to me that really made sense in regards to our economy, and that is when you start to see the corporations start to reinvest back into to these type of events, mm-hmm. that's when mm-hmm. you felt that we have turned a corner. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I, I saw... I saw a significant drop-off in interest from, from major companies about having customer client events. Uh, they need to do it. They, they need to market. People uh, do want to be approached by companies. No one's going to just move their business or take their business anywhere these days without uh, being approached. I mean, part, part of that skittishness in the, uh, of the economy is also a reluctance to do anything too dramatic, and, and moving one's business is pretty dramatic these days. So, uh, so, so I've seen companies now who've started to talk to me about what kinds of events we can put together. Uh, I, I've, I've, I've given them a template on, on really what I think would work to have a really focused event, uh, not to have something that's kind of big and open house, uh, really maximize their dollars spent and also their exposure to these people. And I'm starting to see more and more interest. And, uh, and I think probably in the new year, after talking with some people I've already done events for, we'll start to see more of it again. Hopefully, fortunately. And it seems to me it's a very sophisticated event because it's, it's an event where um, you can have a, a very good time, a very good social time. Right. It, it's educational. It is. And, and it's something where it is kind of controlled because you're not out drinking a lot of heart liquor. It's, it's, right. it's, it's really uh, uh, having a taste of uh, several different wines. A- absolutely. It, it is controlled as, as a good way of putting it because the pour is controlled. It is a, it's a tasting. It's not a, it's not a drinking or sloshing. It, it, you know, really control the amount of wine people do taste. Um, and it, and it is, uh, there is a purpose, there is a theme. And, and even if you want to consider it as a business tool, it, it's, it's a, something that people realize is something that's important as they get back into entertaining again for business. It's that ability to l- Look at that wine list and know what you're going to order and then get back to doing business with the person across the table from you. Uh, whether it's, it's all business or parts, part business and part social, it's, it's, it's really getting back down and conducting your business and kind of dispensing with that comfortably. You know, something that just hit me, which, is, which, which takes me back to when I was 22 working for Xerox, uh, Andy Javine, who was the sales planning manager, uh, had taken me and another mm-hmm. uh, colleague out to lunch mm-hmm. to take us through the etiquette of a business mm-hmm. lunch. Thinking about this, when you think about the etiquette of a business dinner, being able to properly select and choose a wine. Right has a nice sophistication to it. It does. Is that a part of your business, of educating business folks in regards to the how-to and it, what to it do? It absolutely is. I, I had a person just last year ask me to have a dinner with him and his staff, his sales staff, because he did not want them just simply picking off the most expensive wine on the top of the list or, uh, as we spoke about in the last show, 
getting that sort of tunnel vision where you, where you almost can't read what's on the page because you're not quite familiar with it. Just learning a little bit, having a little bit of information goes a long way in making you more comfortable and being able to make a decision. And again, the purpose of that dinner is business and you want to be able to get back down to it and not have uh, ha- have some discomfort over selecting a wine uh, s- sort of color the the event itself you know because sometimes selecting a very expensive wine can send off the wrong message in uh, this economy you can <clears throat> sure exactly and then of course selecting a wine inferior wine can have a negative effect because people go well they're they're uh they don't think too much of me as a client because right. they they bought me a seventeen ninety five dollar <laughs> bottle of wine. Right, you know it's funny uh, you know, a story that sort of ties into that. Uh, visiting a uh, a friend's home recently, and and he asked me to take a look at wine that he's received as gifts over the years from. Uh, uh, from from different business associates, and uh, and he said, "Can you tell me anything about this? I don't know anything about these wines." And I looked through them, and I said, "That customer or that or that business associate really liked you. That one really liked you. This one didn't think too much of you." <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what do you think about the Mo- the, the Mondavi wines? Mondavi wines are, are really good. They make really good wines, and they make them at all price points. But some of the best wines being made in California are being made by Mondavi. Mm-hmm. Some of the some of the least expensive and and maybe more middle of the road and fair or average wines are being made by them too. Uh, you know, one of the things about Mondavi that people have to realize is they. It was Mondavi who really funded the growth of the California wine industry back in the 1970s before the whole judgment of Paris when they did that blind tasting of, uh, of American wines at the time versus the best Bordeaux and best Burgundian wines and, and the American wines came out on top. Well, most of those, uh, most of those wineries were very small, entrepreneurial, uh, very similar to some of the wineries we talked about in the last show that are on Long Island or maybe uh, out, out here in New, Jer- in New Jersey. And Mondavi really helped fund those people and it really did the marketing of it and had the sense for that. So, and, and it also has pumped an awful lot of money into the science of winemaking. Uh, so, so you know, they have their rightful place in, 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 the, in the industry and also make really good wines. Is there a new grape that's on the horizon that uh, maybe the general public's not aware about? Uh, I think what's, what's old is new again sometimes. Um, uh, so, so you're seeing, as again, as you noticed that we talked last show about the meteoric rise of Malbec in popularity, yes. another blending grape that was being used uh, in Bordeaux uh, Carmenere, which which is mm. rarely used now in Bordeaux, but they realized it's also been grown freestanding in Chile. Chile is trying to take Carmenere uh, and and do with that what Argentina did with Malbec. Um, but there's over there's really thousands of grape types, and and one of the things that I've done is sort of to kind of add up the different grapes that. Um, that I've tasted wines from, and I'm, I'm up to about 113. Oh. Um, so there are native grapes in some of these countries, like some native Spanish and Portuguese grapes and, and Greek uh, native grapes that make really fantastic wines. Uh, they're, they're not Chardonnay. They're not Merlot. They're not uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. But they still make really nice wines, which in many cases people might not be able to distinguish. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. Now, this 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 grape out of uh, Chile, you, mm-hmm. you called it Carmenere. Carmenere is that yeah. a white or a red? It's a it's a red grape, and uh, interesting, a uh, funny little story about that. It, it's uh, the grape is very similar in shape to Merlot. The leaf is very similar to Merlot, and for a lot of years, 
they were making it as Merlot. Uh, a woman I know who who is a wine a wine producer. She doesn't own a winery or own a, uh, a vineyard. Yet last year sold over 100,000 cases of wine. Uh, go figure. She buys surplus grapes. She has people do the crush for her. But she she made a she made a Carmenere and she uh, by the name of Oops. Oops. <laughs> because <laughs> because if, because previously everyone had thought it was Merlot. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is interesting. Yeah. So tell us about this new local cable TV show. Ah, thanks. What, what is the name of the uh, The name of the show is The Grapes Unwrapped. And, uh, <laughs> and I used, it's kind of funny how it came about the name. I used social networking. I, I put up on Facebook a little contest that I was going to uh, be doing this uh, local TV show. And, and, and you know, we also talked about some of my community involvement last time. And it was community involvement that led to the show. Uh, I did a show on uh, SOMA TV, South Orange Maple yes. TV, about the Booster Club. And the woman who's the station manager, Joy Yagid, approached me and said, I'd like you to do your own wine and food show. Now, my concern is that I, I had a face for radio. My, my concern about the radio show <laughs> is that I have a voice for print media. So, uh, oh. <laughs> but, uh, but, I, but I said, okay, fine. And uh, so I put a little contest out. Help, right. me, help me name the show. Right. And uh, came up with lots of ideas and lots of lots of feedback on those ideas. Over 300 posts wow. uh, from from different people on that Facebook. That's awesome. And opened up the contest and uh, as as a contest and said someone can be a guest on the show at some point. And the grapes unwrapped was the name I liked the best. So much to the point that uh, if the show does well enough, I th- I'm going to change the business name of Swirl Wine Events to the Grapes Unwrapped. Unwrap. Just, just, you know, again, get to kind of keep that uh, marketing fo- focus uh, together. But you know, you're going to confuse the softball community because <laughs> they know you as Swirl Wine. <laughs> well, you know, it's true, and I, and I did sponsor that one team. And, That's, uh, right. That's and, right. And they won a championship. So I was very really right. proud of them, so I got a little That's extra right. mileage out of that. <laughs> That's right. That was a championship <laughs> yes, year for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the program, is it a 30-minute show? Is it an hour show? It's going to be a 30-minute show, and we'll probably do the show monthly. I uh, just taped the first show last week, and uh, my first guests are the owners of Arturos in, in Maplewood, Artur- yes. Arturos Osteria, which has gotten some really great reviews lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, I chose them because I have a very good relationship with them. My focus of the show is to really get across my passion for wine, yes. and I would like to have guests on who also share a similar passion with what they do and how it relates to wine, and, and they were perfect guys to start off with. One of the great things about living in the Maple South Orange community, though, was that once word got out that I was doing this show, I've had so many incredibly talented people who who have TV and video background who've who've stepped up and offered to to pitch in and help with the show significantly. So, and and it's it's incredibly flattering. It really is. That is great. I, yeah. I mean, you, you had mentioned that one one individual has a couple of Emmys. Uh, a- Emmys with uh, with one of the cable channels. Uh, yeah. so people who've got significant uh, amount of experience with networks. I think the people who showed up for the first morning to help had over a hundred years of combined television experience, which is pretty amazing. That is awesome. Because I have none. <laughs> I watch <laughs> but, it. I watch but, it on occasion. But you get the wine experience. <laughs> I do have the wine experience, yes. <laughs> and have you been to the Above Restaurant in South Orange? I have been to the Above Restaurant. In fact, the uh, the first manager, uh, Terry, I, I knew uh, well, and I know some of the other folks there still. One of the things I helped them do, even though I did not pick their wines out, but they had asked me to kind of give them some guidance on putting a wine list together, um, gave them some ideas on, and, and again, trying to choose wines that I thought would be appropriate to the community and what people would go for. One of the first recommendations I made made to them was, I, I think you need to feature some organic, sustainably produced, biodynamic wines. I said, this is a community that really supports that. And 
and there are good wines out there in that category. So when they opened up, I said, where are the wines? You didn't put those on the list. And they said, well, we didn't get a chance to get to it. We, we really had to get going really quickly. So about six weeks later, I walked into the restaurant and and manager said, you're a genius. And I said, wow, I mean, I'm not often called a genius. And I said, why? And he said, because I started featuring a couple of organic wines and they're flying out the door. And I said, so is it- This this community, you know know your community. You know your community. I think that's one of the most important things in in any endeavor, correct? You know, um, it looks like the above restaurant would be a good set for your show. It it, it would be a a good set for the show. Part of the problem with using a restaurant is finding time when they are uh, able to bring in people with cameras and accommodate it. Uh, My taping at Arturo's was at 7.30 on a Sunday morning, (laughs) (laughs) just to give you an idea. Uh, I've also talked to one of the local art galleries, though, about using their space. One of my future shows is going to be on wine and art. I've already talked to some artists from Maple and South Orange community who have focused on vineyards, wineries, wine labels, and what have you to be my guests. And one of the things we're going to do is look at wine label art and see if the uh, art on the label matches the wine in the bottle. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Wow. You know, it's South Orange, the Maplewood community is such a dynamic, artistic community. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And, and and with that comes a lot of, again, a lot of passion. Uh, with, with that creativity also comes a lot of great ideas. Right. Right. And um, have you approached Seton Hall at all in regards to... Uh, I have not actually. I I probably should. Okay, I well, probably well, should. I have a few contacts, and thank be, you. I, be, I do be, appreciate be, be that. Be very happy to share that because, uh, yeah, Seton Hall and South Orange have been trying to bridge the two communities mm-hmm. over the last few years, mm-hmm. and um, trying to support our local business folks is uh, very important as a- well. Absolutely, and in any economy. Yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. But we we're, we're, we've been working very hard to. Uh, bridge the two communities because together we can support each other very nicely. Like, give you an example. There are a number of events on the campus here at Seton Hall mm-hmm. that the South Orange community, for whatever reason, isn't really aware about. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, there's the gas light and there's mailers to go out. Um, but if we can just elevate that, it will benefit us all. I agree. And, you know, my experiences with the university have been really positive. Uh, my, my kids have come to some of the summer camps here. But, you know, we've talked about in the last show, the softball program. Right. The very first person I ever came to for help with the, with the, with the Maple South Orange Community Softball Program was Ray Vandermey, the head coach here at Seton yes. Hall. Yes. And, and Ray has been incredible. Now, this is a top-flight program. He's had uh, some, some academic All-Americans on his team. They've had success as a, as a softball team itself. They're one of the top-ranked teams academically in the NCAA for girls' softball programs. And every year, he finds a way on top of their busy travel schedule to get that whole team out to spend time with our girls in the community. Which is awesome. It really is awesome because it really, you've seen this. You've seen what impact it has on the younger girls. And the the funny thing is, the first time we did that, um, I remember some of the women from the team came up to me and thanked me for organizing it. And I said, thanking me. I said, we're the ones who need to be thanking you for coming into the community and really uh, putting everything in such a positive light and spending time with our girls. Exactly. Exactly. I know they they have a uh, a workout where our girls work out with them. They yep. invite us to games. Yep. Yeah. It's 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 a really good. It's a really great thing. It, it really is. Thing. It really is. It's a great fit. And so, when will this first 
program air? Some sometime in December. It's sometime being December. edited now, and we're in the process of trying to find some music and uh, some little fill-in uh, pieces to uh, to fill out the show, and it'll be on Community Cable Channel. And Community Cable is is uh, Soma TV, uh, and I think it depends on if you have FiOS or Comcast. So okay. it's, but it's Soma TV or Cable Vision. Uh, <laughs> it'll be on Cable Vision, and uh, it's also going to go up on YouTube as well. Excellent, excellent, so, yeah. excellent. And is there going to be a particular title of the first show? Uh, no, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's the show, as I said, the show is The Grapes Unwrapped, and uh, the first show is just going to be my guests uh, are, are Dan and Fred, the owners of Arturos. And uh, what's next for you, Hank, um, in, in regards to volunteering? Because uh, I know your plate's <laughs> full. I know your wife has said to you, you never know how to say no. But <laughs> it, it seems to me that um, you have the, um, the characteristic that really works well with people. You Thank really you, understand Thank people, you. and you're a great leader in our town. Thank you. Well, Thank what, you. What's next? Uh, I, I like to continue to do what I do, and that's really focused on uh, on, on youth-related services, uh, not just on sports, but on, on really the whole range of services. Uh, I had actually been on the board of a group many years ago in Staten Island uh, called United Activities Unlimited, which started up in the budget crisis in the 70s and, and today now, um, and, and, and at the time created some, some weekend recreational programs for kids, today now serves over 17,000 kids in 22 centers. And I thought that that was a formula that would work well in Maple and South Orange. And uh, after a number of years talking to a lot of our leaders, we now have YouthNet. In, in the Maple South Orange community. And uh, so that's something else that also I've been involved in. Let's talk about YouthNet. Um, tell us about the program in regards to its objective and, and, and what does it achieve? It, you know, YouthNet wasn't there to actually do programming as much as to, to look at the overall programming in the community and try to see where the holes were. And also to try to get some of these other volunteer opportunities up and running a little bit more. Uh, try to find out where the gaps were. Maybe s- to suggest to other groups that perhaps they could get involved in, in, uh, in some of these areas as well. Uh, and I think that's worked because one of the things that YouthNet has done very successfully in the, in the school system is, is set up a number of after-school programs uh, for middle schoolers specifically and into high school in, in, the, uh, in South Orange and Maplewood Middle Schools. And, um, and again, to do it kind of quietly and seamlessly, to, to be more of an umbrella than to actually be a competing uh, set of programs with with a lot of the other entities in the community that are doing good as well. Well, we 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 have been very fortunate here in South Orange and Maplewood um, to the point where we really don't have any significant problems with right. our youth after right. after school, and and I think the programs like YouthNet and what other folks are doing. Uh, giving our folks something, our, our 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 young folks something constructive to do, right. uh, keeps them in a positive direction. A- absolutely, and and to have those options, I think, is a is a fantastic thing. You know, when when the meetings were were being conducted to discuss um, uh, what the focus of YouthNet should be, someone said, "Well, we need to make mention that we're here to serve at-risk youth." Well, I raised my hand and I said, "That means every youth, because." Every kid really is at risk. It doesn't matter what their background is. Um, you know, any, anyone can be. The key is to really have opportunities that are there for, for everybody. Right, because quite frankly, we've seen folks from very rich backgrounds Absolutely. Um, unfortunately take the wrong direction. Right, right. Absolutely, right. absolutely. And, and your thoughts, what are the key traits of a, of a great leader? I, I think a great leader is somebody who, who does. Somebody who who has has um, 
who has been there, who has, who has gone through, someone who, who listens. I, I think emotional intelligence is a real mm. important trait of a, of a leader, someone who understands themselves well and understands the, the people that they're leading and, and the community that they're serving really well. Uh, those to me. I, I don't think you can lead if you've never done. So I, I think actually getting in there, get, rolling up the sleeves, so to speak, literally and figuratively, uh, are, are really important to becoming a leader. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> and in your opinion, how does one prepare themselves to be a great leader? Sometimes folks are thrown into leadership positions just because they happen to be standing there. Someone said, right. we need someone to right. do this, so you're going to do it. Well, well you know, my, my <clears throat> joke here is when you raise your hand to volunteer, that automatically makes you the chairman. Uh, <laughs> and... Um, uh, but but I think the way to prepare yourself again is is to be involved. The more you're involved, the, the more you have a better sense then of uh, of what goes into uh, whatever entity it is, and and then you can get a, a sense of what works, what doesn't work, and, and also have uh, build more confidence because it really comes down to as a leader, you have to have confidence to uh, in, in your own vision. Um, and also confidence, if your vision doesn't work, to say, okay, uh, that was wrong or that didn't quite work out well, let's try something else. And, you know, you're very comfortable in speaking. I, I would have said, have you been to Toastmaster training? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I never have. I never, I never have. Um, I guess I, um, uh, I've been fortunate that way. And, uh, you know, one, one of the things I learned, I mean, one time I was a corporate trainer. Uh, in human resources, and, and I remember at the time being very impressed with other trainers who really knew their topic so well that they could get that point across in, in a number of different ways, but also field questions and then articulate the answer so that the, the greatest number of people in the room would understand it as well. So to me, that's always, always I think, has been an important trait of communicating is, is not being able to say something um, and come off as really smart, but say something and come off where the most people can understand you. And how do you unwind? I mean, you're, you're, you, vo- <laughs> you volunteer quite a bit. Yeah. Um, you're, you're running your own business. Mm-hmm. You have two children. Yeah. What do you do to, to unwind? I don't, I don't sleep much. I, uh, <laughs> um, actually, uh, you know, I, as much as I like coaching, I like playing. I still play basketball competitively a couple times a week with, with a lot of mutual friends I, I know. Uh, you and I have. Um, I, uh, I like to drink wine. I love music. I'm a, I'm a big music fan, which is another great thing about living in this community because there's great music locally and, and also being so close to, mm-hmm. to the city and to other parts of New Jersey where you can go out and do that. Love to be outdoors as well. So mm-hmm. try to cultivate those. I try to have a passion for my interests as well as, uh, as, mm-hmm. as, well as for, for other things I'm involved in. And so, um, you know, I might have to join you on the basketball court. Okay. I got, I got to get back in shape. Okay. That's <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um, who are some of your heroes, and why are they your heroes when you think about leadership? Uh, you know, it's, it's funny you talk about heroes because I, I think we grew up with, with heroes as being uh, this vision of, of public figures as heroes. And then, and then as you get older, you realize that they're flawed. Uh, and that's not a bad thing. Because to, to have a hero and have them humanized isn't such a bad thing. I mean, I'm, Mickey Mantle is my hero. I remember going to a book signing, and I was going to have this really cool conversation with the Mick, you know, because I was an adult. And I thought I was practically going to burst into tears when I met him. But, but here's a guy who had, had probably bigger problems than most anybody I know. Um, so it's okay to, to, to have them humanized. But, but I tell you, to me, heroes are real people. 
my brother's a New York City fireman. I, I don't mm. know if he can get much more heroic than, than being a fireman. Um, right. uh, but, but probably my biggest hero is my dad. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the reason why I say that, my, my dad was, was a leader himself. Uh, mm. When he was in high school, played three sports, uh, was president of his school, was, was on his way to, uh, to possibly playing minor league baseball, and had an accident his senior year and lost his leg. And, oh. um, and, and, but anyone who knew him knew him to be one of the most incredibly positive people. Uh, not a bitter person whatsoever, despite that happening in his life, uh, raised a family, had a career, was incredibly involved in the community. Uh, when he passed away nine years ago, writing his eulogy and delivering it was probably the easiest thing I've ever done because I didn't have to make anything up. He was such a wonderful <laughs> guy. And uh, so, so when I get compared to him, it, it's, it's not just flattering, but it's actually very humbling too because, because he, he was really a true hero to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because he was there with you every day. He was there with me, but he was there for everybody. And yeah. it was interesting when, when the priest who uh, also eulogized him, who'd known him in his, in, in his youth, uh, made a comment. And he said, you know, my father was involved in youth services as well in the community uh, before I was even born. And he said at a time in the community when kids could have gone either way, my father uh, made sure that they went the right way. So uh, you know, hearing that, I, I sort of said, uh, I think I understand what my legacy is that my father has left for me. Very nice, very yeah. nice, very yeah. nice. What is, what, what is one of your favorite quotes on leadership? You know, one of the, one of them that comes to <clears throat> mind was, I guess, Vince Lombardi has said that uh, leaders aren't born, they're made. And that sort of speaks to this, uh, this having to be a, a doer, having to be involved hands-on in order to get to the point where you can, where you can lead. Um, I did bring along one, one little quote that, uh, that I thought was sort of... Um, Interesting, and, and it's, uh, it's from this poem, Desiderato, which oh. I've had my kids uh, read, too. And it, and it basically comes down to uh, this one little section that I pulled out. If you compare yourself with others, you may become vain and bitter. For always there will be greater and lesser persons than yourself. Enjoy your achievements as well as your plans. Keep interested in your own career, however humble. It is a real possession in the changing fortunes of time. Exercise caution in your business affairs, for the world is full of trickery. But let this not blind you to what virtue there is. Many persons strive for high ideals, and everywhere life is full of heroism. That is awesome. Thanks. That is awesome. Thanks. Thank you for sharing for that. Thanks. And is there a particular book on leadership that you turn to from time to time or you might have read? You know, I, I've, I've read different leadership books, and, I, and I've seen speakers. I, I guess when, 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 you, when you see a speaker who's written these books, and, and again, that passion comes through, I think it really sells it more. But, you know, when, when you'd ask me to consider that question. The one thing that I think is a great read on leadership is Shakespeare's Henry V. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I have not read that one, but yeah. I have a whole collection of Shakespeare. Yeah. I will, I will be sure to read that. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting profile, I think, in, uh, in leadership and, uh, um, and also has been translated into a very good movie, too. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. And what's next for Swirl Wine Events for 2011? Well, we have the uh, the TV show, and mm -hmm. uh, and again, it's uh, trying to do a little bit more beyond events. I, I've been meeting with people uh, near and far about uh, putting together trips and outings. Uh, w one outing might simply be down to the Ironbound in Newark. I've already talked to a restaurant down there and a couple of the local wine shops to bring a group of people there to do a Spanish-Portuguese wine primer and, and pairings with some food. I've been talking with somebody who's got a... Uh, Chateau or castle, if you will, in Orvieto about running groups of people there, 
trying to put together a wine and golf trip out to the West Coast. So it's really taking it now to yet another level of, uh, of activity. Interesting you should mention that. I am on the content board of the Software Information Industry Association. Uh. And last year, we did a bus trip. Uh, mm-hmm. for our net gain conference, which was out on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And we went to uh, visit Google and and mm-hmm. and, and, um, and Apple. Mm-hmm. But then we ended the evening going to a winery for dinner. Right. And we had a, right. a sommelier to yeah. take us through. And um, That's I have, fun. I have to put you in touch with Ed Keating. Excellent. Because, I, I do uh, appreciate that. Uh, we were struggling to put it all together because, <laughs> you know, that's, right. that's, that's not the business that we're in. Right. But but I think you're you're off on a fascinating start with uh, a business that's rich in culture and sophistication. Thank you, and you know, and, and it it is. It, it, you know, I like the culture part, and there is sophistication there too. But but as I like to tell people, you know, to me, wine is is a social thing. It's a pleasurable thing as well. It's right. it's not a snob appeal thing. Right. But it, it really is just a fun component to to, to have in your life. It really is. It really yeah. is. With family and friends. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And um, Hank, tell us about your family. Uh, you're married and you have two children. I married my, my wife, Mary Jane, and I married 20 years. She actually grew up here. Uh, w- one of the fun things uh, about living here is that uh, my, my daughter and my son next year are third-generation Columbia High School students. Wow. Uh, my wife's had uncles who, uh, who've gone to Seton Hall Prep and to Seton Hall and played basketball here back in the 50s. Okay. So, uh, so it's kind of nice to, to, to be back in this community as, uh, and to have it as a, f- as a familiar community mm-hmm. for her, but also a different community, too, as it's morphed and, and, uh, and progressed over the years. Uh, I've got a daughter who is a sophomore at Columbia High School and a son who's an eighth grader at Maplewood Middle School, and they're both really involved in different aspects of the community, too, and it's, w- which, we, which we love. There's, there's really a range of activities here for, for the kids to be involved in, and, and conveniently so. Now, I understand there's a very interesting story as to how you met your wife. Uh, th- there is. Wow. Yeah. Yes, there is actually. Um, you know, one of the things we talked about was that I was in the executive search business. Yes. My wife and I happened to go to the same university, Cornell. We were in the same program at Cornell, but we didn't know one another. And uh, about five years after graduation, I had a client meeting at a company, and uh, I saw a woman standing there in the waiting room, and I said to my client, I know that woman from somewhere, and she said, you went to school together. So I walked into the office, introduced myself, and she wanted no parts of me at first, but I wore her down over time, <laughs> and uh, we've been married 20 years now. <laughs> well, that is great. Yeah. That is great to hear. Well, Hank, I have really enjoyed our time over the last two, two, two weeks. I've learned a lot a lot, a lot more about wine, and, and I'm looking to hear more about uh, the Grapes Unwrapped Thank TV you. program. Yeah. And really, all the best for the Swirl Wine events. Thank you. And let's share a glass of wine sometime soon. And, oh. and thank you so much for having me here. Oh, you're very welcome. Well, you can count on that wine real <laughs> <Excellent>. soon. <laughs> okay. Well, we, we're here with Mr. Hank Zona, the owner of Swirl Wine Events. And I am your host, Darrell Gunter, for Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM. Remember, leadership begins with you. And have a great glass of Mel Beck wine today. <laughs> Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye.